Today, as I'm sure you figured out, is Ash Wednesday. It's the first day in Lent. We're gathered here to respond to that invitation we heard at the very beginning, an invitation to observe a holy Lent. Now, on the surface, it might seem to be a kind of depressing day. What with the ashes and reminders of our mortality and all that stuff. I believe for the most part, the wider culture in which we find ourselves saturated simply doesn't know what to do with death. And so a day like today seems off, weird, awkward. The culture around us would rather just not think about death. So, so a day like Ash Wednesday is just so challenging. Um, I was thinking about it, you know, culturally so much has changed even in, in this century, even for the church around this topic. For instance, you know, for the longest time, churches used to be built with graveyards in front. So you'd have to walk through the graveyard to get to church. There's something to that, don't you think? We almost never hear about funerals. It's, we, we have a lot of celebrations of life, but not a lot of funerals. Now look, we can and we should celebrate life as Christians at every opportunity, but we also live in the truth as Christians. And the truth is that every human being has and will experience a physical death along with a kind of spiritual death. And this is pretty terrible. It was never what the living God wanted for human beings as the crown of his creation. Beings that were made in his image. Like if you go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And that's how he was supposed to be. Sisters and brothers, God created us to live and not to die. But when we sinned, death entered the world. And the natural consequence of turning away from the ultimate source of life, which is God himself, could of course only be death. God is life to turn away from him. What do you expect is going to happen? And so this turning away from God and then inward on ourselves and our own selfish and self-destructive attitudes and actions and affections is what we mean when we talk about sin. And when we're honest with ourselves, I believe we find that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of being able to live independently of God. This is Part of what Ash Wednesday in Lent is all about reminding us. But we're not here today or the rest of this season just to lament the reality of death. Rather, we are acknowledging it honestly so that we can move from that honest and sober acknowledgement into the joy of thanksgiving. Psalm 103, we heard it already. The Lord is merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I take it back. This is two, four verses before when I started chanting. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then, and then the psalmist continues, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Listen to this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. In other words, God knows our weakness. He knows that we cannot live apart from him. He knows that we try to. And he knows that we certainly cannot endure death. And this is why he came to us as one of us in his son, Jesus Christ, to heal us and to teach us even as we killed him on the cross. But see, Jesus being God in human flesh was able to do two things that we cannot do. I mean, he did a lot of things, but we're just going to highlight two big ones tonight, okay? First, he forgave us all our sins. Intentional, unintentional, past, present, and future forgiven. And we couldn't do this because quite simply, we cannot forgive ourselves for our rebellion against God. That's just not how relationships work. We've gotten in an argument with a friend or a spouse or a child or a parent and be like, hey, don't worry about it. I've forgiven myself. We're all good here. Moving on. <laughs> I've tried it. Doesn't work. We need God's forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness because it's against him that we've sinned. And he unfailingly offers it because he loves us and because his desire is that we would not die, but that we would live. Second thing, he endured death. He endured death. He really did die that day 2,000 years ago. But Jesus was also really raised from the dead. The divine light in him could not be extinguished. In fact, it did the exact opposite of being extinguished. It scattered the darkness so that not only the divinity of Christ, but the perfected humanity of Christ came forth in the resurrection. The testimony of Scripture is that this is our destiny too, as sisters and brothers of Christ, as we simply trust him and follow where he leads. He is going to pull us out of death and into life. Now certainly this is through the cross, right? We still have to die physically. We're going to get a new body. It's going to be great. But in order for that to happen, this old body has got to die. Even for those, you know, there's, there's a, a verse that talks about some that will be changed in the twinkling of an eye when Jesus comes back. Even for them, that old body is going to be dead and they're going to have a new body in that moment. We all have to die spiritually. All that is opposed to God in us, in our spirits, is crucified 
with Christ. So we've got to go through it. We've got to go through the cross. But we're going to make it through the other side more alive than ever before. And this is what moves us. These two things should move us into thanksgiving because we're no longer doomed to eternal death as the result of walking in our own way away from God. We've been called into the way of light and life. I love how St. Paul puts it in Ephesians 2 and the first five verses. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that has not worked, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But listen to this next part. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So, we can be reconciled to God today. Now is the favorable time to receive the forgiveness that God offers everyone in Christ. What has happened in the past has been dealt with by Christ on the cross. So don't worry about it. Be reconciled to God. What is going on now is being healed by Christ because of the cross. Be reconciled to God. Our future can be secure and sure as we follow Christ through the cross and into eternal life with him. So be reconciled to God. Listen, we're going to talk about disciplines during Lent. We always do. And you heard a call at the beginning of this service to certain disciplines. But we do not engage in practices or disciplines during Lent. Stuff like self-examination, repentance, and prayer, and almsgiving, and reading, and meditating on God's holy word. We do not engage in these things in any way to reconcile God to us. God himself has reconciled us to him in Christ freely as a pure gift of grace. So when we respond to God's act of reconciliation with disciplines of self-denial, it's not because we hate the self, but it's because we know that we are only going to deny that which is less than who we are in Christ. Let me put it another way. Disciplines that, in one sense, seem centered on self-denial, like fasting, may also be seen as disciplines of tending to the presence of Christ. They might also be seen as ways of clinging to the cross of Christ. And trust, we may, in this time of Lent, Seemingly sacrifice some time, some fleeting pleasure, some physical comfort, some chocolate. I don't know what you're giving up for Lent, if anything at all. 
But what will we gain? What will we gain? Let's just look at what we might gain in some of these typical disciplines. In self-examination, in the light of Christ, we're going to find that we are worse off than perhaps we thought in terms of our own character issues. The depth of our spiritual neediness will come to light. And then all of a sudden we'll gain an appreciation for repentance. And we turn our attention and actions towards the light of God in response to an honest internal inventory. We're going to find not only are we, okay, worse off in terms of our character issues than we thought, but we're actually better off than we could possibly imagine. Because we have a God that forgives our sins and that has endured death for us. And so turn towards him in self-examination and repentance, we find only light and life in Christ are waiting for us. Think about prayer through Christ. We we grow closer to the heart of God, not only for ourselves, but for others. And that's going to move us into action in the world. And so, yeah, we give up some time to pray. We give up some attention to pray. But suddenly we're caught up in the prayer, in the redemptive purposes of God in our families and in our neighborhoods and in this local church and even beyond. What about almsgiving? Okay, we're going to give up some money. That's a tough one. But in faith, we find that as we give freely to those that have needs that are greater than our own, that we are tending to the very presence of Christ. That's the testimony of the scriptures. And it's the testimony of the faithful throughout the centuries. When we, when we read and meditate on God's holy word in the light of Christ, we find ourselves being formed by his story. We're taught by the Holy Spirit. And so we can truly live according to the truth, not only of who we are as moral beings, but who we are in Christ as beloved children, destined to live forever with him. So we might be giving up some stuff for Lent. But it's only so we're going to gain so much more in the process. Whatever we give up or fast from for Lent as individuals, my prayer is that we wouldn't get so caught up in the minutia and the details of the fasting and the giving up. It's important to think about deeply, but remember the point of it all is the gift of abandoning anything and everything that would hinder our communion with Christ. So that we can gain true life in the Spirit. So I want to say this. Observing a holy Lent is about cultivating openness to this kind of holy life. A life lived in response To the God that forgives us, the God that endured death for us, the God that calls us into eternal life. 
an openness to a holy life is an openness to a life that cheerfully and thankfully and certainly looses the bonds of wickedness. Let's the oppressed go free. Brings the homeless poor into our house. Pours out the blessings we have received for those that are hungry. And it's the kind of life that opens our hearts wide to the world that God is redeeming. So may we observe a holy Lent and witness with joy and gratitude a holy life being cultivated among us. The very life of Christ in us. Amen.